Hello and welcome back. My name is Freed and you are listening to Where's the Popcorn? If you are new to this segment, this is when I take IMDb's best 100 films of all time list, randomly choose one, watch it, give you some fun facts about it, I'll nutshell it for you and hopefully not spoil it too much, and then ultimately I'm going to give it a score and tell you what I think about it. This time, my random number generator has fed me number 38. And normally, I'll just give you a quote from the movie in hopes that you would guess what it is. And, you know, you didn't look at the thumbnail or at the description of this episode. But this time, I'm not only going to give you a quote. I'm going to give you the original title of this film. Now, here comes the original title. Are you ready for it? Because here it comes. The original title for this flick was The Cut Whore Killings. Nice. I probably would have changed that, too. Anyways. Here is the quote from the movie, and I think you'll probably get this one. It's a hell of a thing, killing a man. You take away all he's got and all he's ever going to have. What do you think? Care to take a stab? Any thoughts? Those are some decent hints, I suppose, but still not overly clear as to what the movie is. Okay, number 38 is Clint Eastwood's 1992 western, Unforgiven. Clint Eastwood directed and starred in this one, uh, playing William Money, the lead character. Gene Hackman is also in this play, Sheriff Little Bill Daggett. Morgan Freeman is Ned Leggan. Richard Harris is English Bob. And if you're unfamiliar with Richard Harris for some reason, he was the first Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies. And he also played Marcus Aurelius in Gladiator. Unforgiven was nominated for nine Academy Awards and won three, including Best Picture, Best Director, which was Eastwood's first, believe it or not, and Best Supporting Actor, Gene Hackman, and Best Film Editing by Joel Cox. The script was written in the 70s by the same guy who co-wrote Blade Runner, and it was sent to Mr. Eastwood, who at the time was too busy to read it, so that task fell upon his script reader, Sonia Chernus, who had this to say about the script. We would be better off not to accept trash like this piece of inferior work. I can't think of one good thing to say about it except get rid of it fast. Yeesh. That's pretty damn harsh. Uh, although I can't say I fully disagree. Like if you just sat there and read the script. Uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that later. Ten years later, that very script came across the desk of Mr. Francis Ford Coppola, who loved it. He wanted to make it and he wanted John Malkovich to play the lead, but couldn't procure the necessary funds. Could you believe that? Could you imagine that? John Malkovich playing Clint Eastwood's character. I mean, even John Malkovich said in an interview that that would have been horrible. He would have destroyed the role in a bad way. Well, after 10 years of sitting in a drawer, Mr. Eastwood finally got around to reading the script, and the rest, as they say, is blah, blah, blah. Alrighty, here we go. Action. Our film takes place in the made-up town of Big Whiskey, Wyoming in 1880. That's whiskey with an E, if you're curious, and only the U.S. and Ireland spell the word whiskey that way. The rest of the world spell it sans E. Although Maker's Mark doesn't use the E for some reason. Eh, it's all marketing. Anyways, it's your typical Old West settlement town with a small dirt road in the middle with old-timey wooden structures on either side with a saloon, a laundry, dry goods, a livery, a barbershop, etc. At first, we see our lead character, Mr. William Money, at his home, and it's been two years since his wife died of smallpox, and it's quite often fed to us that she was the only one that could keep him from his drunken, murderous ways. And more of that later. Our main storyline is actually started by a small penis. I mean, it's true, isn't it? I mean, how many big Hollywood flicks can even say that? I bet Mr. Eastwood just read to that one part in the script and just stopped and said, you know what, we're doing this. Green light. <laughs> 
Anyway, dude is at a brothel, and he apparently lacks down there and takes a little bit of offense when his Lady of the Night snickers, which leads to him pulling out a knife for a different kind of old in-out-and-out. The ruckus is soon stopped by the saloon and brothel owner. Enter our main antagonist, Sheriff Little Bill Daggett. Now, don't be confused, he wears the star. But it's made very clear up front that he writes the laws in Big Whiskey, and he gives the men involved in the lady cutting a less than desirable penalty that leaves the aforementioned lady high and dry. Well, except for the blood, that's that's still wet. The ladies of the evening meet secretly and pool their money to hire someone to kill the two men. A young man gets word of this bounty and decides to look for a partner. He hears there is a rootin' tootin' outlaw. Yes, they did use those words in the movie lying low in the country as a pig farmer with his two sub-ten-year-old kids. The young man propositions Mr. Money with his bounty, and Money declines because, you know, he's a changed man. Time passes, and Money realizes this payday would benefit his family, so he changes his mind and takes off, leaving his two prepubescent children to fend for themselves. Will Money goes to his old partner in crime's house, played by Morgan Freeman, and asks him to look in on his kids from time to time. Freeman proceeds to invite himself along on this caper, which is kind of funny, because that's how Freeman got this role in the first place. He heard about the movie and called Mr. Eastwood asking to be in the movie. Anyway, they catch up with the young man, and now they are a trio. A fun horse-riding montage later, we now cut to a new character by the name of English Bob, a.k.a. the Duke of Death, played by Richard Harris. A British killer who loves nothing more than to hyperbolize his tales of murder and wax poetic about the superiority of a monarchy over a democracy. Although this is a good character, this fella has little to no impact on the main storyline at all, aside from validating the resolve of little Bill, which, you know, I guess has pretty important. You know, baddies gotta be bad, I guess. Our trio catches up with the lady cutters, and one of them catches a bullet in the gut and eventually dies. Morgan Freeman's character freezes up and realizes this isn't for him anymore, so after the shooting, decides to head on home. Sheriff Little Bill hears of this shooting and puts together a posse to find the trio and eventually finds Freeman on his way home. Trying to omit as many spoilers as possible, so all I'm going to say is, things happen. That result in Will Money taking his first drink of whiskey in over 10 years. And that is where I'm going to leave it. Because the next 20 minutes or so are pretty awesome. You gotta hit play for yourself. Alright, now here come my thoughts on this whole film. Now here's the thing. I do enjoy me some westerns, even the campy ones. I just feel like this one was written by a 7th grader whose dad told him about western movies. Or if you asked a chat AI to write you a stereotypical western with a non-stereotypical ending. And now to the acting, so please remember that this is just an opinion, okay? We can't love everything, and thankfully with movies, one bad apple doesn't spoil the whole bunch. Everyone but Eastwood did a decent job. There, I said it. Clint's line delivery was so wooden and lifeless that it really felt like he had just read the damn thing and repeated it. And he was nominated for an Oscar that year, alongside Al Pacino for Son of a Woman, Robert Downey Jr. for Chaplin, and Denzel Washington for Malcolm X. I mean, obviously he didn't win. But even to say, hey man, your acting was up there with these fellas, is absurd. Yes, there were some subtleties that showed the man clearly had experience. I mean, the scene where they were shooting down at the face cutters, for example, how he kept his cool because that wasn't his first rodeo and blah, blah, blah. That was great. I get that. Well done. And I also get that he's a minimalist in regards to his acting. Less is more, be a powerful presence without casting too big a shadow. That's not lost on me. And that combined with the simplistic script, those are just two steps in the wrong direction. The premise? Wonderful. The execution? Suboptimal, in my opinion. Morgan Freeman was great. 
Going back to that aforementioned scene where the trio was shooting down at the lady cutters, Freeman's character loses his nerve and can't pull the trigger, so he sits back and stares into the void, lost and broken. I believed that. That was real. That was good stuff. And speaking of being convincing, Gene Hackman, who initially turned down the role because he thought it glorified gun violence, did a good job with everything, but it just lacked the believability that was needed. He definitely embodied the role and gave it everything he had. I mean, hell, he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor that year, going up against Jack Nicholson and Al Pacino. It was a good character, and I wouldn't mind one bit watching a whole movie about Lil Bill. Dude has some stories. All in all, I give this flick a 6 out of 10, and that's only because the last 30 minutes were so great. I would not put this on the list at all, let alone in the top 50. Apologies to any diehard fans out there, but this one just didn't do it for me. I do realize that I'm looking at a 1992 movie with 2023 eyes, but come on. All right, that's all I've got. See you next time when we choose another random flick from the list, and until then, save you a seat. Tuning in to this episode proudly presented by the APNM Group, a subsidiary of Alger Productions LLC. We strive to produce content that informs, entertains, and adds value to your day. We value your input and would be delighted to hear your thoughts in the comments about this episode. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please engage with us in the comment section or via our social media platforms. Your feedback helps us shape our content and uncover new topics that matter to our listeners. If this episode resonated with you, we kindly ask that you rate and review this show on your preferred podcast platform. Sharing this podcast with friends and family helps us reach more listeners and continue delivering content you enjoy. For more information about the podcast, the host, or our parent company, please visit the link in this episode's description. Also visit us on YouTube and Rumble to see and hear every content produced by Alger Productions. Thank you once again for your time and support. Until next time, stay tuned and stay inspired. Stay inspired.